like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. We are entering one week away from the NFL draft. Not officially. Not officially. What I mean by that is we are entering the week where we will be one week away from the NFL draft. So we got to wait till Thursday to be exactly one week from the draft, but that doesn't mean anything. I, I, all that matters is right now is that we're excited and that we've got some stuff to talk about today. But before we get into anything I want to talk about today, I got to say one thing first, and that would be to apologize to <laughs> apologize to the Miami Heat. And I say that because on, I believe, Wednesday's show? No, Friday's show. Friday's show. We talked about the Chicago Bulls versus the Toronto Raptors game where the Bulls were down by 19 points. And then came back to win. Zach Levine had 39 points. DeMar Rosen had 20-something. Vooch had a double-double. Uh, Kobe White off the bench had a really good game. And when we talked about that, we then talked about the Bulls playing the Miami Heat in the next round of the, the play-in series. The seven versus the original seven seed, the then eight seed, now eight seed, versus the then ten seed, now out of the playoffs, Chicago Bulls. And I was sitting here like, oh, the Bulls have a real good shot at winning this game. They played really, really well. Against the Toronto Raptors coming back, they showed they fought through adversity. It was what you need to do as a playoff team, as a potential playoff team. And though the Miami Heat had three players that averaged over 20 points a game this season, the names are Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero, I was under the impression that I thought my Chicago Bulls, and again, bias played a huge part in this as well. I've wanted to see the Bulls play in the actual playoffs, not in the play-in game to get to the playoffs. But te- I guess technically they were a playoff team because that's it's like the NCAA tournament. Were they talking about, oh, we got 68 teams in the NCAA tournament? No, you got 64. The play-in tournament for like the four other games, the eight other teams that were trying to get into the tournament, those don't count. Those do not count. I'm sorry. Like Iowa was in a play-in tournament years ago. Drake was in a play-in tournament a couple years ago. It's not the real tournament. As much as you want it to be, it's not. And that's kind of what the play-in thing was. So it was like... Yeah, the Bulls got their first playoff win since I think they said 2014. That could be way off. I don't remember exactly when the when they got their last playoff. It, it, 2015, maybe? No, they won last year. Wait, didn't, didn't they beat the Bucks last year in the playoffs? Regardless, it's been not very fun. Or it was since the Bulls last won a series. That was what it was. When the Bulls last won a playoff series. And I guess that one game thing was technically a playoff series. But it wasn't a playoff series in that sense. But we were going into that Heat game pretty confident. Again, biased again. I cannot stress that enough. And I was like, the team that wins this game has the illustrious honor, the dubious honor of getting swept by the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the NBA playoffs, the actual NBA playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks have Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have Drew Holiday. Like, they have a very fun team. They're a very, very good team. A lot of this core has won a championship before. A lot of this core was there when they beat the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. Like, this is a very playoff-ready playoff. They're familiar with the playoffs team. And I was going under the mindset that whoever wins this series between the Bulls and the Heat is going to lose to the Bucks in four. And the reason I'm saying sorry to the Heat is not only because they beat the Bulls by 11, which I think that's a little unfair, the Bulls got extremely cold. They were winning for a little bit of that game. They were leading going into the final two minutes of the game, if I remember correctly, and then just went on an insane cold streak. Zach Levine couldn't hit anything. I'm not 100% sure if Zach Levine hit an actual jump shot in the game. I could be completely wrong about that, but uh, I, he made a few layups. He drove really well. Kobe White made a few shots in the game. Patrick Williams wasn't scoring like he did in the last game. DeMar DeRozan played well, wasn't hitting a lot of threes, but... 
played well for the most part, but it just wasn't a uh, as good of a game as it was against the Raptors when they battled back like that. They got cold at the wrong time. Levine started missing shots at the wrong time, and the Heat ended up winning the game. So there's the first apology. Second apology goes to the fact that the Miami Heat actually beat the Milwaukee Bucks today. They beat them 130 to 117. They beat the Bulls on Friday, and they came back to this game against the Milwaukee Bucks and beat them 130 to 117. On the road in Milwaukee, a series that I thought was done from the start is now competitive again. And Max Struss, though he dominated the Bulls, couldn't miss a single freaking shot. The DePaul grad, the former Chicago Bull, then didn't play as well this game. He didn't take as many shots in this game as well, though. But Jimmy Butler got 35 and 11 assists as well. Not to mention three steals and five rebounds in the game. 35 points for him. Bam Adebayo got 22. Tyler Hero got 12 in 19 minutes, but he broke his hand. So we'll see. And it's his right hand, which he's a right-handed basketball player. He shoots with his right hand, obviously. So we'll see if that keeps him out. There could be some like weird like club thing. Where he's never going to actually shoot the ball, but it serve as like a, I don't know, you want like a decoy or something? I don't know. I highly doubt that. It'd be kind of funny to see. And when I say highly doubt it, it's not happening, but it'd be kind of funny to see that. But this was a dominating game for the Miami, and Giannis got hurt as well. He had a back contusion or a spinal contusion or something like that. He only played 11 minutes of the game. Chris Middleton got 33 points. Robin Lopez, or Brooke Lopez, sorry, got 10. You got Drew Holiday getting 16. Grayson Allen, everybody's favorite player, gets 12. Uh, A.J. Green did not play in this game, which is unfortunate, which is probably why the Bucks did not end up winning the game. A.J. Green, the former UNI Panther, of course. Bucks all-time leading record for three-point percentage in a season by a rookie above the likes of Ray Allen, and he's not playing in this game. Bobby Portis got 21 off the bench in replacement of Giannis. But, man, congrats to the Heat. Congrats to the Heat. I can't say I'm not cheering for them. I love Jimmy Butler. As we said on Wednesday's show, or Friday, again, I can't remember exactly what show it was. Friday's show. Friday's show was so long, there were so many things that we said throughout that show that I don't really 100% remember. But Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite Bulls players of all time that I remember watching. He was easily, he's easily in my top five. And I was talking to my uncle about this on dinner on, on when was this? Was this Saturday? This was last night. Yeah, Saturday. And I also mentioned like, so like Jamal Crawford being in there. I didn't watch him on the Bulls, really because I was too young at the time, but watching him throughout his NBA career and seeing what he was and seeing that the Bulls traded him away, the same thing goes for Elton Brand, because they tried to do the Twin Towers thing with Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler, which didn't really work out. I mean, both players had solid careers. Tyson Chandler had the better career long-term, but there were a lot of things the Bulls had that could have worked out really well or looked out better, worked out better, but ended up, you know, not. But they didn't make the. But they made the playoffs this year. We'll see how they restructure the roster yes, year, next year. But congratulations to the Miami Heat on winning that game. We had the Kings beating the Warriors last night. Steph Curry missed a little like floater three point shot at the end of the game. De'Aaron Fox dropped. Uh, what was it? Was it 40? 38 points, almost forty. They had the Knicks beating the Cavs again. Kind of halfway cheering for the Knicks. You got Tom Thibodeau. You got Derrick Rose. Like you got some Bulls players on this team. I like Jalen Brunson a lot. So. Yeah, I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell, though. Scoring 38 points, getting 8 assists, and losing the game is not really fun. You had the Celtics absolutely obliterating the Hawks, 112-99. DeJounte Murray got 24, but a uh, losing effort. J- Jason Tatum ended the game with, I think, 25? Right? Yeah, he had 25 points. I think he had 21 of those at half. So, like, this game was over pretty much from the start. They had 45 points in the second quarter. 
the, the Boston Celtics. And then he had the 76ers beating the New Jersey Net. Oh, geez. That wasn't even like me trying to be funny. That was just natural. The Brooklyn Nets, and they haven't been the New Jersey Nets in years. In years. And yeah, I still, wow, I, that actually kind of surprises me. But the Sixers won that game. And then again, today, we talked about, got the Heat beating the Bucks. You had the Lakers beating the Grizzlies. John Morant is injured. We'll see how long he's out for this. If he's out for a long term, uh, Anthony Davis got a stinger, I believe. Austin Reeves played well in this game. And then right now, you got the Clippers beating the Phoenix Suns. And then we got the Nuggets, thorn, thun, ah, geez, Nuggets and Timberwolves next game. Later tonight at 9.30. So we got a ha- an hour until that game kicks off, at least for me. But, yeah, I had to say something to Miami Heat before the, the show actually started. I'm not really going to talk about a ton about the NBA playoffs because the Bulls aren't in it. And if the Bulls aren't in it, I don't really care. I'm not going to talk about it. This is, a, this is a pretty much heavily dominated football show. So we don't really talk a lot of, a, a lot about basketball unless it's big, big. And I, and I, I don't know. I was talking to my friends the other night. We were watching Rajon Rondo highlights. It was like the top 50 plays of Rajon Rondo's career or something. And we were sitting there like, why isn't the NBA like this? Like, I remember back in the day, I used to sit down and never miss a Bulls game. I turned it on to channel 307 on DirecTV. I'd ride my bike over to my grandparents' house. Turned to 307, which is WGN. Got the yellowish tint on the screen from WGN watching Derrick Rose and Keith Bogans tear up teams in the NBA. Like, I loved that era of the NBA. I'm aware we're probably more athletic than what we were back then. But I just loved why I don't I don't really watch the NBA all that much like, except for the Bulls, really. I try to stay in the loop of things, try to stay cool, but you know I I just watch the Bulls and that's kind of it at this point in time. Like the Bulls were back for a day and then the, you know the the series ended up lose they ended up losing the play-in series I guess you could call it to the Miami Heat who beat the Bucks and he had the Hawks getting smacked by the Celtics. I really hope I was hoping I knew it was it was impossible to happen, but I was waiting for a Bulls Celtics series because, like we talked about the other day, watching Derrick Rose play the Celtics in the first round, that was a very fun series. We talked about Rajon Rondo on the Bulls getting hurt, going up two nothing in the series against Celtics before losing four nothing because Rondo got hurt. That stuff was fun. I, I mean, I'm not saying anything. Basketball is not as fun, but it just doesn't hit the same for me. I'm sorry, it just doesn't hit the same for me. So we're we're gonna focus again. Mostly on football. We'll talk a little bit about the NBA and the NBA playoffs as things progress and when we need to. If the Miami Heat keep beating the Bucks, we'll obviously talk about that because we said whoever wins the series between or wins the game between the Bulls and Heat was going to get swept by the Bucks. And the Heat keep winning, that'd be pretty freaking hilarious, wouldn't it? Now, we're going to get into what we're actually here to talk about today. But before that, let's make sure we go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, uh, search the Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. You can check out our recent prospect rankings on all those different forms of social media, as well as going to theloganblackmanshow.com and check it under the blog section. You can check out their blog post there as well, or you can just stay on the main page, scroll down a little bit, and there will be a link down there as well for you to check out our first prospect rankings, really, of the draft window, just two weeks away from the NFL draft, about a week and a half away from the NFL draft as we sit here right now. And then, of course, you're listening to right now, the only way you know what I'm saying at this point in time is if you're listening to Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so make sure you are following and are subscribed on both and leave a rating on a five stars. It can be a one star rating. It can be a five star rating. 
I don't really care, just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, good, bad, ugly, I don't care. Just let me know why your rating is a one-star rating or a five-star rating. I would greatly, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. Now, this was something that I talked about on Colon Company on Friday. So for those of you who are unaware, I go on Colon Company to show up in Cedar Falls. Very good show. I'd recommend listening to it. You can catch the live stream on the website, 1650thefan.com. Scroll down to the main page. There'll be a link down there. You can download the app as well. Or if you live in Cedar Falls, you can go to 1650 on your radio dial and check it out there as well, especially on Fridays because sometimes yours truly will be on the show making a guest appearance, mainly talking about football again, mainly talking about the NFL draft, but around this point in time in this year of the year, we're starting to edging closer and closer to the spring game for a lot of college football teams. Like this weekend, we had Texas have their spring game. We saw the debut of Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning. So we've seen that. I think Tennessee also had their pro day. Uh, USC had their pro or pro day. There's uh Spring game, and now we're getting a starting. We're going to get closer and closer to when the teams in Iowa have their spring games. We got you and I's coming up this weekend. I don't know exactly when Iowa and Iowa State, so I'll need to double check on that. But when I went on Cole and Company, the first thing we talked about, because again, Cole's show, being up in Cedar Falls, there's a lot of coverage of the UNI Panthers, as there should be, because that's the team in town. He, The radio station is about five minutes away from the Unidome, which is where the UNI Panthers, UNI Panthers play football. He has Mark Far he had Mark Farley on the show on Friday. I listened into the Mark Farley interview, and one of the things Mark Farley talked about, and there's a lot of people out there that I would say a vast majority of people that listen to the show are either from the state of Iowa or live in the state of Iowa. So you are familiar mostly with the big three teams in the state of Iowa, and that's Iowa, Iowa State, and UNI, the teams we just talked about. I'm pretty confident all you are familiar with them and are a fan of what, at least one of those teams, depending on where you're from, where your family went to school and all that stuff. Because being from Johnston and being near Pioneer, there is a lot of Iowa State people at Johnston, a lot of Iowa State people that I graduated with. A few of my friends are Iowa State fans. I've also got Iowa fans that are friends as well because Des Moines being the biggest city in Iowa, a lot of people to find work come to Des Moines, Iowa. From out east, from Iowa City, and come in town, Iowa State, come down from north, and then Cedar Falls and Waterloo, and Cedar, all that stuff, come down to the southwest, and <laughs> take that hour and a half, two-hour trek down Highway 20, and you'll get here. So we got a vast majority of teams around the state of Iowa. Some people are even Drake fans. There's a contingent of William Penn fans. No Grandview fans, though. No Grandview fans. But one thing that we talk about a lot on this show is the importance and the notoriety that surrounds the uh, the fandom, I guess you could say, that surrounds the position of quarterback. And around the state of Iowa, that has been a very big hot-button issue, especially this past fall, at the college level and the pro level. Because you had Iowa this year with Spencer Petras put forth a terrible display with Iowa's horrific offense. Again, I respect Petras for answering all the questions and going to the media, sticking it, like, owning it, doing all that, never having really that many excuses. He did have that really weird, cringy interview moment where he's like, man, you guys doubted us, and I think it was after they beat Northwestern. It's like, you guys wrote us off, and it's like, yeah, you beat Northwestern. Everybody's beating Northwestern. If you're not beating Northwestern, I'm sorry. You got more problems at hand. You have one of the worst offenses in college football, and a lot of that goes on the rest of the doorstep of Brian Ferentz, but being the starting quarterback, you're going to get a lot of that as well. 
especially when you never have looked comfortable throughout your time at the University of Iowa. And Iowa, who has had a nice history of quarterbacks, you have the likes of C.J. Beathard, Ricky Stanzi, Drew Tate, Chuck Long. Like, you could go on and on about good quarterbacks that played for the University of Iowa. And Petrus, when you talk about Spencer Petrus, the name that usually follows up Spencer Petrus is one Jake Christensen, who is, was, I, I guess you could say is slash was, because who knows, you can rank him wherever you want, the worst quarterback in the University of Iowa's history. A long history. There's been a lot of quarterbacks that played for the University of Iowa football team. There's been a lot of good football teams that have been played at a lot of good games played at the University of Iowa. A lot of good quarterbacks, and there's two names that really ring true when you're talking about bad quarterbacks, and that is Spencer Petrus and Jake Christensen. Whatever order you want to put them in, those are usually the two that'll get brought up first. So that's where we start with that, and then the pro level, obviously, we had Brock Purdy. So we had Iowa State fans with Brock Purdy leading a San Francisco 49ers team, being a command, a, one of the main cogs in a team that went to the NFC Championship game and whose injury pretty much derailed the San Francisco 49ers season. They didn't have a quarterback. Because once Brock Purdy got hurt, then Josh Johnson got hurt, they didn't have a quarterback. So Purdy, who was unable to even grip a football, let alone rip it, had to go in there and basically be a decoy and just hand the ball off. With however hard that would be, which is damn near impossible with the injury that he had. So I give him all the credit in the world for sticking it out. And he's that kind of quarterback. We've talked about this on the show before. He's the kind of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan likes, that Kyle Shanahan wants, which is why he's the favorite to be the starting quarterback in San Francisco this next season as well. Because he's a guy that's not going to do anything too crazy. He's not going to put the football in harm's way, which is something he did quite a bit at Iowa State. But going from Iowa State to San Francisco, he's not the most important player on the team. He's not the best player on the team. He doesn't have the he doesn't feel the need necessarily to force things because you've got players like George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams blocking your blindside. Brandon Ayuk just had over a thousand yards this year. Like you got a really good team around you. So you don't need to force anything. And that's what Kyle Shanahan wants, which is exactly why they wanted Mac Jones when they traded up to number three overall in 2021. Got Trey Lance for the potential, and now we're looking at a potential season where Brock Purdy's a starter and we're seeing Trey Lance play elsewhere. Because they signed Sam Darnold this offseason, who's just with the Carolina Panthers as his third team. So either, I would imagine it's going to be Trey Lance, is playing somewhere else next season. So that's where it opened up the door with the Houston Texans. I think we talked about this on Friday. With the Houston Texans possibly trading for him, if they don't draft a quarterback, I think that'd be very interesting to see. I think a very, very interesting thing to see. But where Purdy is expected to be the starter going into the season, Iowa's got a whole new starter. It's Cade McNamara, transferring from the University of Michigan. A very solid quarterback, kind of a similar-ish mold to that of Purdy in San Francisco where he didn't need the, – the things Cade McNamara needed to do, he didn't need to force anything. Michigan had the one of the – I guess I shouldn't say the. They had one of the better rushing attacks in college football when he was the starting quarterback. And they did last year too. Michigan's a very successful rushing, running football team. They're a ground-and-pound football team with a very good offensive line, decent receivers out wide, solid tight end play, and very good running backs. You had Hassan Haskins and Blake Quorum being the main guys there. So he didn't need to do a whole lot. So we'll see what the what his role is at the University of Iowa because Iowa runs a very similar style, just not as good as Michigan's as recent years have shown, as Iowa got absolutely ass-blasted by Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game two years ago. And Cade McNamara, for those of you who don't remember, got benched for J.J. McCarthy, and that was a situation where J.J. McCarthy can do more. So it's a reverse of what happened in San Francisco with Purdy and Lance. Shanahan doesn't need a guy that can do more. He could use him, but if Purdy does well, then we're going to make the change. Then then we're going to have Purdy start. McNamara did well, 
Got him to a college football playoff semifinal, won a conference championship, beat Ohio State at Michigan. But J.J. McCarthy has a stronger arm and is more athletic. So, got to make the move. And K. McNamara transferred to Iowa. I always thought this was funny about, like, the transfer portal, about the people that hate the transfer portal. And those same people that hate the transfer portal are also celebrating the fact that Iowa got Cade McNamara. And I think, like, Cade McNamara, for what he is and what he could bring to the University of Iowa football team, he is a major upgrade for what Iowa had, but it's not something that is going to push them over the top, per se. This is an Iowa team that has a very easy schedule. Compared to last year's, it's very easy. There is no reason, really, that Iowa should not win anywhere between 9 to 10 games next year. There really shouldn't be a, a problem with that. Now, Iowa's got those whole, you know, the offensive, can they score points thing. The defense will hold their own. I know the defense lost key players like Kayvon Merriweather, Riley Moss, Jack Campbell, Lucas Van Ness, but the defense is going to be fine. As long as Philip Parker is there, the defense will be fine. They'll replenish, and they'll be good next year. The offense will always have question marks. Now, that you, it's one of those things where you can't be much worse than last year. But it, like you got you got to upgrade at quarterback. That's the key thing. So as we always say, you upgrade the quarterback position, you get the quarterback position figured out, a lot of other things can start coming into play a little bit easier. You get that more in the NFL, but at the college level, that can help out as well. Especially when you're going from Peters, who again, is one of the two worst quarterbacks to ever suit up for the University of Iowa. And this is no diss at him as a person. I, I hate when people try to make this stuff personal. It's not. It's not personal. He's just not very good. He's just not. I, it's simple as that. And Cade McNamara is better. Cade McNamara, Cade McNamara does not have this strong of an arm as Spencer Petrus. I don't think there's a lot of people that do. Spencer Petrus it, showed it off quite a bit at the University of Iowa during his time there. Rarely was it ever completed, but he showed it off. And Cade McNamara might be a little bit more athletic than Petrus. But one thing he's not going to do is force things. He's an accurate quarterback. He doesn't let the moment get to him, which, again, like we talked about, is something that happens with Spencer Petras. Moment got to him. You see him have happy feet the entire time. Cade McNamara's never really looked like that at the, when he was at Michigan. You see that in the game against Ohio State. Like, Michigan hadn't been Ohio State in years. And, yes, I understand it was at the big house. That's a big-time game. Big-time atmosphere. J.J. McCarthy came in this year, beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. But, man, and we knew going into the season, we said it before the season started, J.J. McCarthy was going to be the starting quarterback for Michigan. It was it was on the walls the entire offseason. Like, they gave Cade McNamara the, the just due of playing and starting that first game of the year. Everybody knew that he was not going to be the starter the entire season. Even those diehard Cade McNamara fan knew that he wasn't going to be the starter going into the season for Michigan. And I don't want it to seem like, like could this be a Joe Burrow situation? Who the hell knows? I'm not going to say that because Joe Burrow went to LSU with the mindset of or uh, with the national media looking at LSU as a quarterback graveyard where people really go to die. And we'll talk about one of the other LSU quarterback here in a little bit. But he could be really good at Iowa. Iowa's offense could really transform under Cade McNamara. I don't think his skill set's like insane, but he's a solid-ish quarterback. And he can help Iowa win games, which is what you need. His mindset versus Spencer Petras' mindset are completely different, and I'm excited to see what he does. Now, when you're the quarterback of the University of Iowa football team, normally you are seen as the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. Normally. Because obviously, you know, Brock Purdy was here. You can make an argument that Brock Purdy was the best quarterback in the state of Iowa when he was there. And I would say he was. 
When Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, I think he's better than Nate Stanley. And that's not even – you can go back to listen to shows back then. That's not me just saying that because Nate Stanley's out of the NFL and Brock Purdy's currently starting for a team that just won the NFC Championship game. Everything they had to do in college. I did that just on, uh, on Press Row in Waterloo. To rank the top three quarterbacks in the state of Iowa, I said Brock Purdy's better than Nate Stanley. I never was a massive fan of Nate Stanley. He always pissed me off for one way or another. It wasn't really anything he did. I just didn't like him. It's one of those, it sucks, but tough shit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And Will McIlvain was the quarterback at the time for you and I. And Brock Purdy at that time was the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. Other than that, you could look at Seneca Wallace being the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. But every year, normally, the best quarterback in the state of Iowa hails from the University of Iowa. And if it's not, more often than not, it is from, the, from Iowa State University. Whether that is Brock Purdy or whether that's Seneca Wallace. Or whatever. And we've kind of teased this before. We talked about it last season a little bit. We didn't talk about all that much. But this got brought up on Friday, so I thought I'd bring it bring it up here. And this is what Mark Farley said about the quarterback situation at UNI. He said on the show, and you can listen back, Cole does all the, the podcasting stuff on his website. Again, go check out 1650thefan.com to check it out there under the podcast section there. He said Theo Day is the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. And he even reiterated that. He said, yes, I said that out loud. And you know what? This conversation last year, I think, was insanely cut and dry. I think there's no doubt that he is better than Spencer Petras. And there's no doubt about that. But now with Iowa getting Cade McNamara, there's a newfound hope. There's a newfound maybe resolve around the University of Iowa's football situation, around their offensive situation, around the quarterback position. So a lot of people... And rightfully so, like you get, you don't have something for a couple years and you watch this offense sputter, basically just bang their head into a wall a thousand times per game and go like, why isn't this working? Well, maybe you should stop doing that and try something else, but you're not going to do that. And so when you get a new quarterback in there, there's a newfound excitement that you haven't felt really for the offensive side of the football in a couple years. The di- there's a difference between the excitement for the football team and excitement for the offense. Because there's no doubt in my mind, being an Iowa fan my entire life, apart from when I, you know, I went to UNI for two and a half years, so I had to cut all ties with the University of Iowa once I stepped foot on campus on UNI. But, I digress about that. Iowa fans will be excited no matter what. The frustration levels will build as the season goes on, but they'll be excited going into the season. But now, with the new quarterback, there's a newfound excitement level. With the guy who's gone to a Big Ten championship game. But even with that being said, I think Theo Day is still the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. And I agree with Mark Farley. We said that last year when Theo Day was tearing up FCS defense with Ryan with uh, Bodie Reeder as the offensive coordinator. Because you and I have had a lot of chopping and changing in the offensive staff for the past few years now. Like they lost the offensive coordinator before the stupid spring season. He went up to the Green Bay Packers. They lost Sean Watson, who replaced him. The offense looked dead there. And Bodie Reeder came in, and the offense looked really good. They had a really well-established run game. And Theo Day was absolutely tearing people up from the passing situation. And he would even his rushing numbers weren't great last year. He's not the most fleet-footed person at the quarterback position, but he is effective when asked to be. Like, he's not a complete statue. He looks really awkward when he runs. But he can make plays with his feet. And I'm not sitting here and saying that he's breaking off 50-yard runs 
or he's juking out safeties or running over linebackers or things like that. No, no, no. He's getting about five yards every time he runs the ball before he get you know getting sacked or something. But he can pick up some decent yards for you. And I'm intrigued to see what you and I does from the running back position. They just got a running back transfer from UTSA, six foot three running back. I think his name's Ty Watson. I could be wrong about that. I think his name's Ty Watson. I'm trying to remember what he talked about on Friday. So they're gonna have a massive ass backfield next year. Theo Day's a big dude. You got a six foot three, two hundred thirty, two hundred forty pound running back next to him. You got like Eli Manning and Brandon Jacobs again when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. But Theo Day, I think, is better than Cade McNamara. And is that crazy for me to say? I don't know. I think it might be. I think it might make some people turn their heads sideways a little bit because you're comparing a guy again, a guy who went to a Big Ten championship game, a guy who has played in F's in a in a college football semifinal. A guy that has beat Ohio State, a guy who beat Iowa, but again, this is something we've talked about. A lot of the success Michigan had when he was the starter was not because of him, and it's kind of the same thing like we talked about again with Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Purdy's the figurehead of that San Francisco 49ers because he's the quarterback. The quarterback position is the most important position on the football field. I've said that a thousand times, but you look at what that Michigan team was. And you look at what that San Francisco 49ers team is, they're eerily similar. Not necessarily with the receivers, but every other aspect of that team, they're fairly similar. Not to mention, (laughs) Harbaugh coached the 49ers at one point. But you have a really solid rushing attack. You have a good offensive line. Your best thing on your team is your defensive line. Remember, Michigan had Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo sprinting off the edges. Not to mention Daxton Hill in the secondary. Like this was an insanely good Michigan team. A very well-rounded Michigan team. A Michigan team that everybody and their mom knew was going to absolutely wipe the floor with the University of Iowa. And it was nothing to do with what Cade McNamara was doing at that time. And again, this isn't me bashing him and saying he's a bad quarterback. He is definitely not a bad quarterback. But you look at his numbers from last season, or when he last season he was a starter, I should say. He had one game where he passed for over 300 yards. One time. He never had a game where he passed for over two touchdowns in a game. I know he did. He did. He had passed three touchdowns against Penn State. But that's one time. Other than that, he never had over two. He had multiple times where he had zero passing touchdowns in the game. The game against Ohio State, he had zero touchdowns and one interception. Also had nine yards rushing in the game. Because like we talked about, Michigan dominated with the rush attack. Hassan Haskins had 169 yards and five touchdowns in that game. Blake Corum had 87 yards rushing in the game. Like, Cade McNamara did his job. Cade McNamara, like Brock Purdy, did his job, and it helped Michigan be a really good football team. But again, this is why they made this transition to J.J. McCarthy, because he can do more. He's more athletic, got a strong arm, all that stuff we said before. And I again, I want to keep reiterating this. It's not a slight, on by really any means, on Cade McNamara. It's just what he was asked to do at Michigan. We'll see if he's asked to do more at Iowa, but given how Iowa's offense is run under Brian Ferentz, I don't expect him to be someone that's going to put up over 400 yards passing a game every single game. I could be completely wrong about that, but he's more of your game manager type things, which is what Brock Purdy is in San Francisco, and that's worked well for both of them. Both of them have been to semifinal games on these same teams that we're talking about. Both of them have played in semifinal games. Neither one of them were really asked to do a whole freaking lot throughout their times when they went. their team went to the semifinals because they had a lot of other really, 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 really good players on the team with a well-established coach. 
I know Harbaugh divides opinions out there. Harbaugh's a good football coach. I know he divides a hell of a lot of opinions, especially here in the state of Iowa, but he's a good coach. And this is the difference between him and Theo Day. And I understand, again, I know it's different levels. I know the FCS is different than the FBS, but it's not like you and I is playing the bunch of scrubs. You and I, though they're in the FCS level, are playing the best, in the best, in the toughest, whatever you want to call it, conference in the FCS level in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And Theo Day is dicing people up. Theo Day last season had 26 touchdowns to six interceptions and vastly improved for the season before because we talked about you and I's offense was all over the freaking place when Sean Watson was the offensive coordinator. And Bodie Reeder came in and look what the offense looked like last year. 3,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, six interceptions last season. And not only did he have multiple games over three touchdowns, he had multiple games of five touchdowns in one game. His last three games of last season, 12 touchdowns, two picks. In the last three games against Southern Illinois, who was a top 10 team at the time, I believe, when they played them, and South Dakota, who's always usually a tough team, and against South Dakota State, where, okay, he threw two bad interceptions in that game, but that's a game they probably should have won. There are three touchdowns against Utah Tech, which is a very tough team. <laughs> that's right. That's like the stupid uh, SEC like late season bye week or something. That's what that game pretty much was. He had three touchdowns against Western Illinois, which is what is expected from that. He looked good against Air Force, even though you and I ended up getting dominated in the game. They looked really good against Air Force. Struggled against North Dakota to a certain extent. Still put over 300 yards. The offense or the the team in general struggled. That it's a game they probably should have won. That's a game they look back at and say, you know what, we should have won that game. Sacramento, that's the game I'm talking about when they struggled. They struggled mightily in that game. The North Dakota game, they should have won. But I was on the road, tough atmosphere. But yeah, I think I think you can make a solid case for Theo Day being the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. If you're going off, you know, everything, every aspect, you okay, I, I haven't mentioned him yet, but Hunter Deckers is the most athletic quarterback in the state of Iowa. If we're going off that, like, out of the big three schools. Out of the big three schools. Because I guess I couldn't sit here and tell you that, oh, there's a quarterback that plays for, I don't know, that plays for uh, Loris College. <laughs> just just rolling over people. He put up 1,500 yards rushing last year along with 4,500 passing yards. So I'm talking about, like, the big three schools, okay? And that's Iowa, Iowa State, and you and I. And Hunter Deckers, he put up some good num- – he put up some decent numbers, had decent moments last year. And he didn't put up the rushing numbers that you're really looking for. Because if you compare his rushing numbers to that of Theo Day, their rushing numbers aren't too dissimilar. Like, Theo Day averaged .1 yards more per carry than Hunter Deckers did last year. And had two more touchdowns. But I can say this, watching Theo Day and Hunter Deckers, Hunter Deckers is a better, is more mobile than Theo Day. I would say Theo Day is probably, that's, when I say he's number two, I'd probably go number two. It's close, though. It's close. You're looking at the career highs rushing yards, like when they were starters. Like, <laughs> like Theo Day's career high average yards per carry is 0.9. Hunter Deckers is 0.8 because obviously he had 15.3 and 4.0 his first two years, but he wasn't a starter then. And then Cade McNamara's max was 0.7 yards. So very close in regards to that, but I would go Deckers, Day, McNamara. We're going strongest arms. I'd go Day as the strongest arm there. And probably Hunter Deckers. Who's the calmest? I'd say probably McNamara. Like, there's different factors to each thing here that they got if you're going off individual traits. 
The most erratic is Hunter Deckers by a lot. Like, I think everybody knows that <laughs> Hunter Deckers. There were some times last year that you kind of just scratched your head and were wondering what 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 were you what were you doing there? What was your mindset when you made that throw? <laughs> but he's I think he's fine. I think he's a good quarterback. I like the lefty. It's an odd thing to see. You don't see a lot of lefty quarterbacks anymore. But if I had to rank the quarterbacks in the state of Iowa at this current point in time, it'd be Theo McNamara and Hunter Deckers. And again, that's going to be hard for people to swallow. Hard pill for people to swallow. But I'd say Theo Day. The dude's freaking good. I, I implore you to please watch some U and I football this year, because U and I is going to be good. They lost a lot of key pieces this past season. A few people are trying to their hand at the NFL, but they always hit the transfer portal good. For whatever reason, you and I hit the transfer portal really hard. Theo Day is a transfer. He transferred from Michigan. Don Williams and Quan Hampton, Kansas transfers. The guy we talked about, Watson, uh, the UTSA transfer. I think it's Watson. Trey Watson, I think. Tay Watson. I can't remember exactly. But you and I is going to be good. And I would say this. I don't want to make it sound like I'm guaranteeing this to happen, but I think there's a very solid chance that Iowa State loses to you and I week one. I think there's a very solid chance that happens. You and I has got a very tough schedule again because, again, they're in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. They're always going to play tough teams. They play North Dakota State on senior day this year. North Dakota State on senior day. That's going to be a freaking awesome game. Last game of the regular season against NDSU. That's going to be really fun. So I, I would recommend definitely watching that game. That game's always exciting. They got South Dakota State as well at South Dakota State. You and I tend to play really well at South Dakota State. I don't know why, but they, they tend to play really well in Brookings. But I think they can beat Iowa State. They always play Iowa State tough. Even when they're not supposed to beat Iowa State. Remember a couple years ago, it was uh, Iowa State's best team ever. Like That was the big thing going into the season. I know it became, became somewhat of a meme at certain portions, but they came into the season with all these expectations, a new high for Iowa State football. Because, again, there there have been a lot of lows. There have been a lot of lows throughout Iowa State's football history. So now you've got this high, and you've got a UNI team that's relatively unknown, very young team, going into Ames, and they take them to overtime with Will McIlvain making his first ever start, playing really well, everybody getting super excited for Will McIlvain. And I was excited. Being a Des Moines kid, I watched him in high school. Played for Lincoln. So I was excited watching him tear up Iowa State. And then the next year, they were like 30-point underdogs in that game, and they came out only losing by, I think, seven or three. What was the final score to that game? What year was that? Was it 2021? Yeah, okay, they lost by six. I guess number seven, Iowa State. <laughs> lost by six points. They were 30-point underdogs in that game. 30-point underdogs. What were the individual stats they gave? Brock Purdy didn't have a touchdown in the game. Brees Hall had 72 yards and a touchdown. Will McIlvain, two, two. I remember he threw two, a couple bad interceptions that game. And I remember texting my Iowa State friends because Theo Day got start, got his first real action against Sacramento State. Will got benched. And on Theo Day's first throw, he had more yards than Will had the entire game. On his first throw. I think he had nine yards. He completed like a 10-yard pass right after that. I texted my Iowa State friends. If, if Theo Day started... Against Iowa State, instead of Will, the Iowa State would have, or you and I would have won that game. The two interceptions were bad. So you had Theo Day in there, I think they win that game. So now, fast forward two years later, now we have that situation right in front of us. We have a chance for Theo Day, who arguably might be the best 
I don't I don't know the entire landscape of the FCS level for quarterbacks. You can make it. He's the best quarterback in the conference. I'll say that, to my knowledge. Again, I'll need to do some research going into the spring ball this year, but you could say he's the best quarterback in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS level. Going against Iowa State, who's coming off not a great season. So we'll see. I think you and I can win. And I know it's early. It's only April 16th. The game is not until when? September 2nd? Is that when that game is? Yeah, September 2nd. So we got a long-ass time for that. We got a long time for that game to take place. But I think at this point in time, I would say you and I is going to beat Iowa State. And then the next game, the next week, against Iowa, both games at home, you would imagine Iowa wins that game too. Do I think you and I can beat Iowa? No, not necessarily. I think Iowa, Iowa you and I could keep up with Iowa offensively because obviously Brian Ferentz still being there is a key thing. Like them losing to Iowa State last year hurt. <laughs> that would sucked. Fumbling at the one-yard line allowed an Iowa State 99-yard drive to win the game. Sucked ass. But, hey, we're going to see Iowa State versus you and I this year. That uh, that thing I said two years ago can finally come to fruition, possibly come to fruition. And we got Iowa State spring game this Saturday. When's Iowa's? I guess I haven't checked when Iowa's is. I should probably do that right now. If they have it on their schedule, they do not. That is unfortunate. But uh, I'm looking at Iowa's schedule right now. I'm going to read off their schedule. And again, if they don't win nine or ten games this year, I'm going to be heavily disappointed. And that's Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan, at Penn State, so at Iowa State on the ninth, parents' wedding anniversary, then Michigan State, Purdue, at Wisconsin, Minnesota, at Northwestern, in Wrigleyville, then Rutgers, Illinois, and then at Nebraska. Like I think Nebraska should be better. The hell, Nebraska beat Iowa this year. Now Nebraska should be better. Matt Rule should be an upgrade on Scott Frost. So they should be better coached at least. And they still beat Iowa last year. Which again, is the least upset I will ever be at Iowa, Iowa losing to Nebraska. That is the least upset I'll ever be watching that game. Because, I, you know what, I was actually happy that Nebraska beat Iowa. I was, I was genuinely happy. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, I was genuinely happy. But yeah, all in all, I think I think Theo Day is the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. And I think we'll have to see that this year. Because now Cade McNamara is playing in Iowa. Should be a massive upgrade, one would suspect. And Iowa's offensive play from the quarterback position is mostly. Got Eric all at tight end now. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be fun. College football can't get here soon enough. Again, September 2nd. Iowa versus South Dakota State and uh, or South Dakota State Iowa versus Utah State. Don't need to see a replay of Iowa South Dakota State. Don't need to see that one again. And then uh, Iowa State hosting you and I. I think the two top quarterbacks in the state of Iowa will both come out with dubs that weekend. Now on to the NFL draft, which is just a, a fun time, really fun time. And one time, one thing that I love most about the NFL draft is kind of similar to what we were just doing. Not really. I guess I'm not. I wasn't saying anything outlandish to my knowledge anyways. I think everything I said was well-educated. It's what I've watched. It's what I've seen. It's all that stuff. I could be biased. Well, I, I grew up an Iowa fan, so I shouldn't. I should be biased towards Iowa, right? But no, I went to UNI, so I have to be a UNI fan, remember? 
I do I do always cheer for you and I. I always watch you and I football. So them playing Iowa State, that's not just me going, oh screw Iowa State. Iowa State don't really bother me. Now that I'm out of high school, like my my hatred for Iowa State really stemmed from high school. Like go to school the next day, have to deal with that the entire time. I don't really deal with that all too much at this point in time in my life. I I don't see a lot of I, I a few of my friends are Iowa State fans, but I don't really have to deal with it. Like I can't I can go somewhere else. I don't need to sit and be subjected to it for a long period of time. So it's not me cheering for you and I just because I dislike Iowa State. No. In reality, Iowa State really hasn't caused a whole lot of problems in my life. I've kind of just been there. So I will be cheer. I have been to UNI Iowa State. I've been to UNI Iowa State twice. I might be trying to get tickets for this one too. But I always cheer for I always watch UNI every weekend. So, you know, it's not just me hating on Iowa State. I like you. I like watching UNI. I like watching Theo Day. But um, back to what I was originally talking about is things that pop up all the time. And this is bef- even before really Twitter was popping off like it is now. But one thing people have always loved to do in regards to the draft, and namely the quarterback position, is go in on uh, this guy's good, it's going to be good, or this guy is bad, and is going to be bad, or he's a bust. Like that whole debacle that we've talked about before. Because I've said this a thousand times. I will never call anybody a bust before they played a snap in the NFL. Because anybody can bust in the NFL. That's the beauty and the curse of the NFL. You can be the most unbustable player of all time, and yet somehow, because of the situation you got placed in, you sucked. It could be injuries, it could be coaching, it could be anything else that you're dealing with, but any every player can be a bust. That's why it's kind of sad, in, in a way, watching the NFL draft coverage and seeing these commercials for the draft, seeing all these graphics of like players that won't be good. Because not every player in that graphic is going to be good. Like I just sat down a little bit ago, right before I recorded the show, and what was it? Was it the 2014 draft, I believe? Hold on. I believe it was the 2014 draft. I got to make sure. I got to go back to my YouTube history. Yeah, 2014 draft. Greg Robinson was picked second overall in that draft. Tackle from Auburn by the by the St. Louis Rams. Do you want to know what Greg Robinson is doing now? Greg Robinson played two years, two seasons with the Rams. He was out of the NFL in 2019, and then he got in some legal trouble. And I'll just read you this. Uh, on February 18th, 2020, Robinson was jailed in El Paso County, Texas for possession of 156.9 pounds of marijuana. 157 pounds of marijuana. Pounds of marijuana. Robinson, who was also with 26-year-old ex-NFL player Quan Bray, was stopped around 7.15 p.m. on Monday evening. 7.15 in the evening. People are getting home from work. And you're just <laughs> smuggling 157 pounds of of marijuana Monday evening at a border patrol drug in a after a border patrol drug sniffing dog alerted to the rear cargo door of their 2020 Chevy Tahoe. According to the docs, Robinson and Bray were not re-entering the country from Mexico. Rather, they were trying to get to Los Angeles from Los Angeles to Louisiana and hit a checkpoint on the way. There was a third person in the SUV, an Uber driver who was not charged. During the stop, Robinson and Bray allegedly tried to get that person to take the fall for the weed. Robinson and Bray faced up to 20 years in prison if convicted. He ultimately was sentenced to five years probation. On February 9th, 2022, Robinson was arrested again, possession of $120,000 worth of illegal drugs in Louisiana. So there's a lot of different things people could do 
to be bust in the NFL. This was the second overall pick in the draft behind Jadavian Clowney. People had this guy on graphics for the NFL draft. I watched the draft. Mike Mayock, who I really respect his opinion around the NFL draft. He didn't draft particularly well when he was with the Raiders, but when he was on NFL Network, he was the go-to guy in regards to the NFL draft coverage. I loved listening to Mike Mayock talk about the draft. But he said, if I remember correctly, he said his comparison to Greg Robinson was Orlando Pace. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, Orlando Pace played for the Rams, which is the team that Robinson ended up getting drafted for, and was famous, not only famous, I'm pretty sure was a Heisman finalist at Ohio State, was famous for pancake blocks. He didn't, I don't, he didn't coin it. I think someone, there was a, the pancake block was a phrase before, but he made it, he popularized it, I guess I could say. Number one overall pick in the draft, Hall of Famer, you know, pretty lofty expectations there placed on a, a young player who would eventually get charged for having 157 pounds of marijuana. And he got a fully guaranteed four-year, $21.28 million Ricky Dollar contract that included a $13.79 million signing bonus and no offset lang- language. In 2016 season, Robinson arrived at training camp 14, 15 pounds overweight. He began the regular season as a starting tackle, left tackle, but was inefficient throughout the first 10 games of the season and was also penalized 12 times in the first 10 games, averaging over a penalty a game. On November 27, 2016, Robinson was a healthy scratch. Two years after getting drafted, was a healthy scratch for the Rams' Week 11 matchup against the New Orleans Saints. It was placed was replaced by starting left guard Roger Saffold, Bills legend, pro bowler Roger Saffold. On March 9th, 2017, after signing Andrew Whitworth, the Rams moved Robinson to guard. On April 11th, 2017, Robinson moved to right tackle after Rob Havenstein, Havenstein sorry, was moved from right tackle to guard. On May 2nd, 2017, the Rams declined his fifth-year option of Robinson's contract, making him a free agent after the 2017 season, and then uh, went to the Lions and then Cleveland Browns after that. Again, this was second overall pick in the draft. And another pick that was in that draft was a guy by the name of Johnny Manziel. And Johnny Manziel, going back to that time, was the biggest attraction in sports. He's the first ever freshman to win a Heisman Trophy. First ever. And then Jameis Winston won of the year after that. Jameis Winston's now the youngest player to ever win a Heisman, but Johnny Manziel was the first freshman to ever win one. Tim Tebow was the first sophomore to win it. Florida went 9-4. and four. I think that's the last time you'll ever see a team go 9-4 and four with a Heisman Trophy winner. I think it's the last time we'll see that. But Johnny Manziel was in discussion. Like, if you watch, this is what's always funny about the media today, especially in sports media, especially covering the NFL draft with people talking about these different things about this guy's going to be amazing. This guy's going to suck major cock in the NFL. Like, these, like these cannot be wrong aspects of this stuff. I remember listening to Bomani Jones talk about how bad Josh Allen was for about four years. And then now we're talking about, oh, Josh Allen's top two quarterback in the NFL. And he was a top two quarterback in the NFL or top five quarterback in the NFL before those four years. Before this, too. <laughs> it wasn't like this just happened. I had to listen to that for months, years. Get annoyed every single freaking day because people can't stomach that their pre-draft evaluation was wrong. And I remember watching ESPN's draft process, draft uh, footage. So you go back to the 2014 draft. Watch ESPNs and watch NFL Networks. It is really funny to see how things have changed. Then we'll go to ESPN again in a little bit. But ESPN really popularized that whole notion of you're right, I'm right, you're wrong. There's no in-between. There's no second-guessing. There's no 
question marks. If I think this guy is awesome, he is awesome, and there's nothing he could do that ever that'd be wrong. And I remember watching the NFL draft on ESPN back then, and John Gruden, who has always had a very good eye for evaluating quarterbacks, said on ESPN was just begging the Houston Texans to draft Johnny Manziel first overall. Begging them to draft first overall. Now, in hindsight, I'm pretty sure the Houston Texans would rather have Khalil Mack, who's been the better player in the NFL. But Johnny Manziel, like, oh, this team's got to draft Johnny Manziel. This team's got to draft Johnny Manziel. Oh, the Cowboys with Jerry Jones, they got to draft Johnny Manziel. First freshman in the highest, most exciting player in college football history, at least at the time. Best quarterback ever. And then Merrill Hodge on ESPN said, I got questions around Johnny Manziel. And Skip Bayless, in his infinite wisdom, who was popularized clickbait journalism, and he is the figurehead of, you're, I'm right, you're wrong, and there's no in-between, said, you have never been more wrong in your freaking life, Merrill Hodge. Johnny Manziel, and you can watch clips on this, Johnny Manziel is going to be bigger than freaking LeBron James in Cleveland. You know, the guy that's from Akron, Ohio, that guy, his hometown, getting drafted first overall by his hometown team, he's going to be bigger than that guy? Yeah, I, for some reason, I highly doubt that. And surprisingly, it, it didn't happen. He's not bigger than LeBron James. Never was, never really will be. For all you, for if you dislike LeBron James, whatever, you can't deny he is a bigger person than Johnny Manziel. Everybody knows who John, I guess you could say John, everybody knows Johnny Manziel. Yeah, it's not LeBron James. He's not a bigger attraction to Cleveland than LeBron James. And this is like all the stuff surrounding the NFL draft. And the thing that I always find funny is the Cleveland Browns spent, I think, $100,000 on a test to see who the best quarterback in the draft was. And they said it was Teddy Bridgewater. And they still traded up to draft Johnny Manziel. That is the Cleveland Browns to a T, that era of Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns did that again because they could have drafted Deshaun Watson and they now signed him to a $230 million contract or whatever the hell his contract was. After he sat out a year for sexual misconduct after allegedly... Uh, groping 24 women at massage parlors. But that's that's a whole other thing for the Cleveland Browns to deal with. But th- this got posted on Twitter yesterday with Merrill Hodge and uh, and Skip Bayless going back and forth. Because ESPN's coverage is always really funny. It's always really funny. But um, I always, I always like to listen to what Mel Kuyper has to say. But every other person at ESPN that covers the draft, I mean, like Jordan Reed does good stuff. Matt Miller does decent stuff. Todd McShay is hit or miss, but like when they have like John Gruden on, I always think that was really funny. He's obviously never going to be on there again, but we'll <laughs> that's a whole other, again, a whole other thing. But this tweet popped up a little bit ago, and I had to read this one out. Nine years ago, Johnny Manziel was selected by the Cleveland Browns with the 22nd overall pick. And this also got brought up because I watched the draft like an hour ago. Like right before I started recording, I watched the 2014 draft again, because you can watch them on YouTube. NFL throwback on YouTube. Shortly thereafter, Skip Bayless claimed that Manziel would be, quote, bigger in Cleveland than LeBron James ever was. Since, since Manziel has lost eight more games than he's won, he's thrown the same amount of interceptions as touchdowns. Seven has more tackles than playoff wins and has spent two season, two more seasons playing in the CFL, AAF, and the fan-controlled football league combined than the NFL. He's played two more years in those leagues than the NFL. One of the wildest draft stories ever. And then the same day, today, I saw another tweet. Shawnee Jamarcus Russell 
a guy, a very polarizing prospect in his own right there. He drafted first overall in 2007. 16 years ago, DeMarcus Russell was selected with the first overall pick in 2007. Russell was drafted over the likes of Calvin Johnson, Joe Thomas, Adrian Peterson, and Darrell Revis. Russell passed for five more t- interceptions, the touchdowns line lost 13 games more than he ever won across his three-year career. In 2010, Russell weighed in at 290 pounds, five pounds heavier than the heaviest QB in NFL history, Jared Lorenzen, RIP. Russell ended up earning $36.3 million in the league, which equates to over $2 million per touchdown. He threw 18. Like Johnny Manziel, (laughs) uh, freaking Jamarcus Russell, Josh Rosen right here. Same tweet, same day. I liked this tweet because I always think this, this is one of my favorite ones ever. Five years ago, Josh Rosen claimed he was, quote, the best quarterback in the draft and was coming for Tom Brady's Super Bowl record. Rosen ended up going 10th overall to the Cardinals since Rosen has thrown nine more interceptions and touchdowns, lost 16 more games than he's won, holds an average QBR of 14.6 across three seasons he's played in, and is currently a free agent. And this is also count, not counting stents where he was on the practice squad of, like, the Browns and Vikings. And, like, it's such a weird thing, the NFL draft. Like, these three guys were top draft picks. All of them, at certain points in time in the draft process, were discussed as number one overall picks. Demarcus Russell obviously being the only one that was actually drafted first overall. But the draft is such an imperfect science, and it's so funny when you see people debate about, this guy is going to be awesome, and he's never, ever, ever going to suck. And this is what we've talked about a thousand times. We've said it before this. Anybody can bust. Like, you could see, like, looking back in hindsight, there are points in time where you could see where the likes of Rose and Manziel and Russell would eventually turn into absolute nothing in the NFL. There are, like, little red flags popping up that you could have gone, yeah, we shouldn't draft this guy. Or, yeah, we should draft somebody else. Which is ultimately why the Bills ended up taking Josh Allen seventh instead of Josh Rosen. Which, at the time, I would imagine more Bills fans wanted Rosen than Josh Allen. And which is crazy to think about in 2023. It's absolutely crazy to think about. But the draft is so funny. Like you watch, like I saw Rosen on draft draft like uh, graphics for months leading up to the draft. Possible top pick in the draft, and now he's a free agent. Johnny Manziel bigger than LeBron James in Cleveland in his own hometown. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell two hundred ninety pounds. It's just so funny. It's so funny. So, like, when Merrill Hodge went on ESPN and said, yeah, I have my concerns about Johnny Manziel, and Skip Bayless called him a, an idiot, essentially, I just think that's funny. I just think, like, when I sit here and talk about the best quarterback in the state of Iowa, like, you can have your own opinion about it. If you think Hunter Deckers or Kate McNamara are better than Theo Day, that's cool. You can have that opinion. You're not an idiot for thinking that. I can completely understand why you think the other person or the other two, whichever one, is better than Theo Day. I can understand that. Because not everything is exact. You gotta be able to <laughs> agree to disagree sometime. And I understand Theo Day plays in the FCS. I understand Kate McNamara's been to a uh, college football national championship semifinal game and won a Big Ten championship. Like watching the draft is so fun. Like that this is one of the sad parts about the draft. Like we're looking at the oh, what's this? Top ten picks in the twenty thirteen draft. This is just sweet two minutes ago. Eric Fisher, free agent. Luke Jogel, senior analyst for Pegasus Ablon. Dion Jordan, founder of Spread Your Wings Foundation. 
Lane Thomas, Eagles tackle. Ezekiel Ansa, founder of the Zeke Ansa Foundation. Barcavius Mingo, unknown. Jonathan Cooper, unknown. Taewon Austin, free agent. D. Milner, unknown. Milliner. James Warmack, project manager at the Infinite Distribution Group. That was just tweeted two minutes ago. It's like that. Like that. Do you think when the Browns drafted Barcavius Mingo, which is again the name my dad wanted to give me, but my mom said no, Barcavius. Do you think when the Browns drafted him sixth overall, that he was going to be unknown? Like no one know. Like, they don't know where he's at. I don't know where he's at. I never once thought about Barcavius Mingo since he got drafted. There's going to be a player drafted in the top ten that's not going to be very good. Isn't that just crazy to think about? These guys are the top one percent of the top one percent. Top 1% of college athletes or high school athletes get to play for these big-time programs. And the top 1% of those top 1% get drafted in the first round. And the top 1% of that top 1% get drafted in the first top 10, uh, the top 10 of the first round. It's so crazy. And yet we sit here and bitch back and forth about, yeah, this guy is going to be way better than this guy. Way better. Circumstance matter. Circumstances matter. So when you look at this quarterback draft class, with Bryce Young, with C.J. Stroud, with Will Levis, with Anthony Richardson, and you go on Twitter, which, again, is a very cool place for if you want to share an opinion and not get judged for it, then go to Twitter for it. But going on there, like, let's just – we did this experiment, like, a few months ago. I don't really think you could find it with, like, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at this point. But I'll go to the comment section of this one. It's a talk, post about Will Levis. QB ranks Richardson, Levis, Stroud, Young. And you can't tell me otherwise. That's cool. Again, that's what I'm talking about. You can't tell me otherwise. You, you can. You can. And I love as someone that loves Anthony Richardson, you can tell me otherwise. If you think someone's better than Anthony Richardson. Then what else do we have? That's laughable. Talking about Will Levis. Matthew Stafford is a funny way to spell Jake Locker. When talking about Will Levis and his potential. I was thinking Blaine Gabbert. That, too. Blaine Gabbert and Jake Locker famously drafted in the 2011 draft with Cam Newton. I think people need to remember that where QB, the, where these QBs go is far more important than bickering about who's better in certain areas. Would Pat Mahomes be able to send the exact same level of greatness or better if he was drafted by the Jets? That's important. That's important. Circumstances matter. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be great anywhere else, but... It definitely helps playing with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. That's not discrediting Patrick Mahomes by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, the disrespectful to Stafford. Maybe I'm missing something, but Levis sees like the most surefire bust I've ever seen. Why did they get 62 likes? Why did they get 62 likes? What does that mean? Just say you know ball, you don't know ball next time. What impressed you? Terrible film, question mark? Ter- his horrible stats, question mark? Or the mayo-infused coffee, question mark. You're a guy that would have thought Josh Allen would be a bust. Josh Allen was a question mark because of his competition. Didn't know how he would play How he would play up. Will played against SEC competition, was terrible, inaccurate, and couldn't read pre- or post-snap to save his life. He's just big and strong since when has that mattered? Well, uh, he played for a bad off-the-line, uh, bad <laughs> offensive coaching staff. But, yeah, again, circumstances matter. Circumstances matter. I mean, let's be fair for a moment. I don't like Levis either, but Allen wasn't exactly great in the Mountain West either. Yeah, Josh didn't play particularly great in the Mountain West Conference. If Zach Wilson was a draft three years ago, I would agree with this 1,000% about being the most surefire bust ever. I, just, I think that's crazy to do. 
Where's the source on Colts having less? Yeah, the thing is that I found here is uh, Levis is for the Colts. Uh, they have Levis higher than Richardson, which again I'm not surprised about. A lot of people around the NFL really like Will Levis. That's fine, and I've said this before. I don't know where the hell he's gonna go. Oh, I have no, I have no read on where Will Levis is gonna go. I have no read on it. Uh, Jacob Eason 2.0. Okay, that's just he's better than Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason can't move, and Jacob Eason would get worse as the game progressed. <laughs> we used to talk. I remember when Jacob Eason got drafted. We talked about Jacob Eason's fourth quarter stats. Jacob Eason had some of the worst fourth quarter stats I've ever seen for a big time college quarterback that used to play for Georgia. Penn State reject and bust. I don't make the rules. Carson Wentz 2.0. Will Levis over AR. Titans better not. Why'd you put over in quotations? Because it's probably a quote. <laughs> Matthew Stafford was the number one pick and not buff. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but Will Levis could be the number one overall pick. <laughs> it's like, I, I understand Bryce Young's the current favorite and probably will get drafted first overall, but yeah. Stafford rolling in his grave. Well, he's not dead. Uh, he's a Colt. I, I actually, if I'm looking at quarterback. Will Levis feels a lot like an Indianapolis Colt. At least that's what I'm feeling. I, that doesn't mean anything, but nah, Matthew's accurate. The comp I saw, I really liked, made the most sense was Blaine Gabbert. Perfect comp. Again, looking at completion percentage for that is always fun. What Stafford more like Zach Wilson. Ha, got him. Looks like a dude that puts mayo in his coffee. Dude is Brandon Whedon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Daniel Jones, and Mitch Trubisky, but white. What? All those guys are white. What? Dude is okay. Let's decipher this. Let's decipher this together. Dude is Brandon Whedon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Daniel Jones, and Mitch Trubisky, but white. The only reason he's being filleted like this happens every year. What is that even supposed to mean? All the quarterbacks you mentioned are white, and he's more athletic than uh, he might not be more athletic than Daniel Jones. But that's about it. I think he compares. If you're looking at Skill set. He's got a stronger arm than Trubisky, but they got similar-ish body styles. He's more athletic than Trubisky, though. Bigger arms, more athletic than Trubisky, but that one I don't really hate, like, as far as what they did in college. Again, Trubisky was good in college. I don't think people remember that. Trubisky was actually good. It wasn't like it was some random ass, go watch, go draft him. Like, the weird part about that draft is that they traded up to get him after they signed Mike Glennon. And didn't make any notification they were going to draft a quarterback. That was what was weird about it. No one was really upset at the time they drafted over Patrick Mahomes. But people like to rewrite that. Brandon Whedon, Paxton Lynch, and Brock Osweiler. What? No. First off, Brock Osweiler was a second rounder, so that one shouldn't count. Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky were top ten picks. Daniel Jones just signed a $160 million contract. Not saying that uh, that's worthy or anything. Matthew Stafford, where do you see that? He's going to get someone fired by year four. He has an arm with no accuracy or touch and didn't win anything at Kentucky. Yeah, because it's Kentucky. It'd been really impressive if he did. be really impressive if he did. I pray that the Colts take Levis, and honestly, taking Richardson would be a dumbass decision by them. He's got Anthony Richardson is a Seahawk as his profile name. Disrespectful AF to Will. Oh, nice. That's a new one. Stop with this shit. Levis isn't comparable to Georgia Stafford. Cut the shit, LOL. Putting QB over... Another simply because he can play sooner is such a shit approach. Let the kid sit a year or two and adjust throwing him before throwing him into there. He's a better th- he is a better throwing, but is less entertaining at Pac Map Me Show. Awesome dude. Dan Dockage. Why did he tweet at these two? I I don't know. But like that stuff. Dudes looks like the biggest bust ever. Penn State reject. NFL bust. Guaranteed. And then Jim Ursay tweeted this. Today, he tweeted at 307. 
for the 2023 draft, we have many options. With the fourth overall pick, we could take a, we could stay put and take a quarterback. Or trade up and take a QB. Or trade down and maybe take a QB. Or not. With a smiley face emoji. All options are on the table. But we like our position and are very excited. Fire up! And he's got all the quarterbacks here. Is he trying to tell us something? The first picture on his post is with is Anthony Richardson. Interesting. Interesting. And maybe it just... Will Levis plays in blue and white already, so maybe that's why it makes me feel like he's the most Colts guy. But it's going to be interesting. I think a team trades up for Richardson. I'd, the whole C.J. Stroud thing to Houston is weird. Because I could understand why they don't want to deal with his agent, but he's one of the biggest agents in the NFL. So it's not like you're going to just avoid him like that. I mean, the Texans could try. Maybe they do really feel that great about Will Anderson, but, man, you could reunite the Ohio State guys. That'd be really fun. You see the last time those two were really healthy and played together against Utah? You tried to redo that in, in um, what do you call it, Houston? <laughs> Jim Irsay, we could go offense or defense or maybe special teams with our pick. Kicker confirmed. Then what else do we got here? I've got to scroll down on this tweet. This is going to have a lot of really good stuff. Substitute Trout for Young in that order. Top left, bottom right, and we're good. Richardson and Steichen would be a match made in heaven. You should take Richardson if he's gifted to you. That's from the Dales Report. Is that an official Twitter account? Uh, t- Twitter Blue. Nice. What else do we got here on this comment, comment section? Whatever you do, Mr. Ursay, please avoid Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. As my working resume for you, your review as a former NFL scout, both are busts. Full evaluation. Full Former bust. Any GM considering Trey Lance in the first round should be fired on the spot. Former NFL scout. Daniel Kelly is not a big fan of North Dakota. Why are you a former NFL scout? You're not working for the NFL Network. Why are you former scout? You got 10 likes on that, too. That's pretty depressing. You got 723 followers. You got a little bit more followers than me. You're a former NFL scout. First round mock. Get draft info from a former NFL scout. Who the hell are former New York Jets scout? Okay, who was this guy? Let's see who this guy is. Because this would be really funny. If this was the same guy, former New York direct director and meet scouting director and former New York Jets scout Daniel Kelly. Who the hell is Daniel Kelly? What does that even mean? Former NFL scout is. When did he work for the Jets? Because this could be very interesting on when he could work for the Jets. Former NFL. Oh, is this just his big selling point? Former NFL scout. That's what all of his things say. Former NFL scouts draft. <laughs> Zach Charbonnet, NFL Draft RB1. It took me eight months. Get Give me Charbonnet to tote the rock. You can have Texas's B. John Robinson. That is a crazy quote. But, hey, I like Zach Charbonnet. He was my number three. So I have really no issues with you uh, saying Zach Charbonnet is very good. But shades of Lawrence Taylor for Nolan Smith. Get Jalen Carter fitted for a gold jacket. Anthony Richardson beyond the tools. Why Street J. Stroud's the best draft, best dressed prospect. Hey, I give him credit. Dude posts, or no, I guess he has other people here. NFL.com fumbles on prediction first round NFL draft. Okay, let's see what they fumbled on. Reading time, six minutes. But first round mockdraft.com has a seventh round grade on Will Levis. Good freaking lord. Seventh round? Seventh round. Our game one on game film Levis regressed from twenty twenty one to twenty two. Yeah, despite 
on game film, Levis regressed in 2021 game film. Okay. Despite Kentucky bringing in Kyle Shanahan's QB coach, Rich Scaglarello, as their new offensive coordinator, Levis is a tentative, is tentative making decisions because he was in a terrible offensive line. Decisions in the pocket, and even worse, he doesn't feel the pass rush. There were times he looked like that last year. He didn't. There were times he didn't look comfortable because the offensive line. We're doing a bunch of no look block or look out blocks, which are always pretty fun. He has tunnel vision down the field and stares down receivers for throwing. Big no no in the NFL. On top of it, he has an erratic downfield ball placement. Levis twenty twenty one is twenty twenty one first round QB Zach Wilson all over again, only without Wilson's mobility. He's more mobile than Zach Wilson. He's more mobile than Zach Wilson. He's more athletic than Zach Wilson. He literally jumps over defender. He's as, he's bigger than Zach Wilson. <laughs> he's okay. Levis hasn't shown the skill set on game field that translates to success in the NFL. Anthony Richardson, fifth round mock. I would love to see this guy's quarterback prospect rankings. At best, Anthony Richardson is Saints QB Taysom Hill 2.0. Wow. That is crazy. I, he's friends with Jason McIntyre. Okay, that makes sense. Scores of Gators fans co- commented on social media saying they didn't think Anthony Richardson was ready to declare for the NFL draft when he declared. Along the lines of 2021 first-round pick Trey Lance, Richardson is an athlete first and QB second. Inconsistencies are spray-painted all over his game film, and nothing gets an NFL team beat faster than the inconsistency out of the the game's most important position. Everyone is excited for his, quote, traits, but traits consistently show up on game film, and they do. And with Richardson, they don't. They do. This is backed by his low 53% completion percentage. You know how completion percentage works, right? Completion percentage works... If the receiver catches the ball, that doesn't show drops. It doesn't show where the ball is placed. It doesn't show you anything. It just says the ball was caught. It doesn't even show you how accurate the pass was. Like if it was inaccurate or not, the receiver could have made some ridiculous catch. That low completion percentage alone should scare a hell of a lot of people, especially considering that college, that was at the college level. And now it'll be going up against a higher level competition in the NFL. Again, people need to understand you can get better in the NFL. You're with better scouts or better coaches. You're with better players. There is a very good chance a lot of players get better in the NFL. Two players I always bring up, Josh Allen and George Kittle. George Kittle was not this at Iowa. I watched George Kittle at Iowa. I'm an Iowa fan. Well, I was. I'm a you and I fan, remember? Josh Allen wasn't this at Wyoming. Patrick Mahomes wasn't this in Texas Tech. No one thought Patrick Mahomes was the best quarterback in college football when he was at Texas Tech. Joe Burrow was this at LSU. But Taysom Hill 2.0, at best, he's Taysom Hill 2.0. Bijan Robinson, Montre- third round grade. The first clue Robinson has been overgraded as Iowa State, Brees Hall, Jets, Michigan State's Kenneth Walker, both valued by the league as second round picks in last year's draft. He's better than Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker only had one year, really, of success. And I like Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. Him and Brees Hall are comparable. I think him and Brees are very comparable, especially to skill sets. I think he's more explosive than Brees. But I think Brees is awesome. Brees is one of the best players I've ever seen in the state of Iowa. So I don't want to say – so that so that means they're third-round grades and both look better than Robinson on game film. I wouldn't say that. I'd say Brees did at times, but it's not like they were way better than B. Uh, John Robinson. First-round picks need to show elite traits, and Robinson doesn't. He's good but not great. Robinson doesn't show breakaway speed and is not elusive in the open field. Shoddy tackling doesn't count. Robinson is a soft runner who takes what the defense gives him. Will Anderson, second round grade. It's going to be a tough for a prospect who often loses interest easily. Add in the fact he looks stiff, lacks bend, if you needed to know what that was. 
on game film ran a 46940 because that really matters for a defensive lineman. And the scouting combine first attempt. Uh, and looks, and this looks like bust waiting to happen. What Anderson did earlier in his college career is relevant to this point. Okay. This isn't Cowboys pass rusher. Micah Parsons ran a four, six, three, four, three, six. Okay. I 40 yard dash does not really matter for the importance of how good a player will become. That's freaking stupid. I hate when people do that. When, when does any defensive lineman run 40 yards in a straight line? It's a good metric, but it's like completion percentage. It's a good metric. It doesn't tell you the whole story. He's never going to do that on a football field. Never, ever will do that on a football field. I just love when people put bust written all over him. Why is that a thing people do? You're right, or I'm right, you're way wrong. Every freaking time. Okay, I got to see what this guy's mock draft is. Because I, <laughs> I love looking at other people's mock draft. I must warn you. Okay, former NFL scout, shocking first round. Val- oh, this is a value board, 2.0. Malik Cunningham is the pro- is the picture here. Now, I like Malik Cunningham, but let's see where we're going with this. Jalen Carter, we're talking about taking plays off, and then Jalen Carter's number one. That's one of his big knocks is that he's taking plays off. Offseason noise, blah, 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 blah. I'm really interested to see where CJ where Will Anderson is in this. Kalijah Cansey, number five. If Mike Tyson was a football player, he'd be Kalijah Cansey. A.T. Perry at number seven. Wow, Cody Motch. North Coast State at not at eight, Josh Downs at eleven. There's Lucas Van Ness, Tyree Wilson, Tuli Tupilotu from USC, Luke Musgrave from Oregon, Malik Cunningham. Everyone thinks Anth- he he's who everyone thinks Anthony Richardson is. No, because Anthony Richardson has a stronger arm. A lot of scouts are going to miss him due to the fact he's played a slow-paced, methodical, ball control, non-quarterback friendly system. Underneath it all, he has it all. He ran the ball a lot. He's one of the most electrifying players in college football. I like Malik Cunningham a lot, but he's not. Him and Anthony Richardson are not similar. I mean, well, if you want to use similar as the fact that they're both athletic, Anthony Richardson has more tools. He's bigger than Malik Cunningham. He's got a stronger arm than Malik Cunningham. Give him pound for pound, he's more athletic. Just pound for pound. Malik Cunningham's faster. There's no doubt about that. Like in the open field. Like, you want to use 40-yard dash times, Anthony Richardson had a faster 40-yard dash than Malik Cunningham. You want to use that. But Malik Cunningham in the open field is more elusive than Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson might be... Like, what is the word you want to even use here? More, he, I think Richardson pound for pound is more athletic than Malik Cunningham. But you can get juked out by Cunningham. That I don't really know how I'm trying to explain this, but you, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Hayden Hooker at 22. There, I have no issue, uh, no issue with uh, Hayden Hooker at 22. A physical quarterback who resembles Teddy Bridgewater right down tearing the same left ACL, an ideal number two behind an established starter where he continued to heal and develop on a playoff caliber team. I think he's, uh, I think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. Keon White, 23. Drew Sanders, 25. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 28. My favorite Ohio State receiver over the past two seasons. He has the flexibility and wiggle that will cause him to own secondaries in the immediate route level, intermediate route level. The only thing was Jack, Jack Smith, the jig would be number one for me if he didn't have the hamstring problem. That's that's a big issue. Oh, it's just 32 top players. Matthew Bergeron. I like Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Athletic tackle. Raw, but athletic. Better upside than Micah Parsons and similar speed. We're comparing 40-yard dash to actual game speed. That's cool. Doesn't take half the plays off. That's cool. In a nutshell, phenomenal speed, pocket adjustment, ability, and close. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. 
I want to see his mock draft. That's what I'm really looking for. Does he have a mock draft? Is this a go to the links? Whoa, whoa. Why are we got sounds coming out of that? What is first round mock? Yeah, what is this? As I like to say, quote, it's not about being right. It's about getting them. What? It's not about being right. But that, what? What's that you supposed to mean? There's no ego here. What? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. You're literally saying this is, they're going to bust. They're going to bust. First round bust written all over him. What the hell? Yeah, that's ego. Articles. Scroll down a little bit. I've got to see a mock draft. I have got to see a mock draft. Manuel Forbes, cornerback one. I don't really see. There's nothing really that wrong with that. I like Emmanuel Forbes. He's just very small. He's six foot 166. He's very lengthy. His arms are freakishly long. He's a ball magnet, but replay, Ravens replacing Lamar Jackson with Malik Cunningham. I mean, they could. I don't think they're drafting him early. Malik Cunningham over Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. I think Malik Cunningham can get, will get drafted. I think he will get drafted. I don't know where, but I think he will get drafted. I, I would imagine like sixth round. I would imagine. Double quarter pounder with cheese. Will McDonald, Iowa State University. Despite all the draft hype, first round mocks is not seeing Iowa State. Okay. I want to see, I want to see a mock draft. I need to see a mock draft. Red flags around Will Levis prior to the 2023 draft. 12 games proved by Bryce Young's the NFL drafts QB1. 10 games proved CJ Stroud will be a superstar in the NFL. So we've got 12 games for Bryce Young, only 10 for um, for CJ Stroud. Will Anderson ain't no Micah Parsons. Okay. Don't need him to be. Where's your Will? Will Anderson. Why it's not fair to draft Anthony Richardson in the first round. Okay. Oh, yeah. No better than Taysom Hill. Ten games prove Anthony Richardson is a bust, but we're not about egos here. Ten games prove Will Levis is a bust. It's cool. Warning from former scout. Five first round NFL draft bust. Okay. Let's see how this all works out. I love looking at these ones. Anthony Richardson, number one. Bust probability high. Trey Lance all over again. Will Levis is number two, prob- bus probability high, but proof of evaluation. This is so funny. Will Anderson, pre- bus probability high. Quentin Johnston, bus probability high. Miles Murphy, bus pro- probability high. Like, I'm not that that high on Miles Murphy and Quentin Johnston. The other ones um, I'm confused about, but, you know, that's fine. I need, I want, I want a mock draft. I need to see what he's looking at or they're looking at. And Hooker, not Anthony Richardson, says former scout. No freaking way. Brilliant scouting department right there. They're not similar, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you didn't need to write an article about that. Osiris Torrance moves in the top 10. Will Drew Sanders go in the first round. Jack Hammer, Jack Hamill of Iowa. Millen Smith is more upside than Micah Parsons. I mean, he's the number one recruit in the nation at a high school. So, I mean, you could say that because he's the number one recruit in the nation at a high school. Keon White over Will Anderson. 4-3 speed spell success for Trenton Simpson in the NFL. Yes, of course, because that means you run fast. That means it's obviously – there are times it translates, but there that's all technique. 40-yard dash, all technique. I think it's cool when people run fast, but it's, that's the whole like elementary school thing, like I'm faster than you type thing. 
Kelly Ringo did not grade well out, out well on game film. This is so funny. I love this account. This is my new favorite account. Of, as a former Jet scout, I tried telling everyone Justin Fields pre-draft. Oh, let's see. Let, let's see. With it. As a former Jet scout. Why are you a former? Why are you a former Jet scout? Why are you still not a Jet scout? Or why are you not a scout? Former, a former NFL scout. I love that. Some folks just didn't. He got three likes on that tweet. Impressive. That's the same number of likes I get. And I got way less followers than him. What else do we got here? Andy Richardson and Will Levis are trailing to Zach Wilson all over again. I think that's so funny when people do that. I think that's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever. I think we're done here today. I think we're done. I think we're. I think that's all I've got gonna go with on here today. But um, yeah, the the quarterback position is always fun, and I always think it's hilarious when uh, they're they're going to be busts. They're going to be busts. They're going to be busts. They're going to be. It's fine to have concerns. It's perfectly fine. I have concerns about all the quarterbacks in this draft, like Bryce Young's size, C.J. Stroud looking flustered at times, Anthony Richardson's can he develop all the way, Will Levis is off the field stuff. Like I think he's. We, I think he's kind of odd. I think he's smart, but I think some of the things he's doing this offseason are kind of weird. I don't know why he wouldn't go to the Senior Bowl. I understand he was hurt to a certain extent, but at least go. You don't need to play the game, but at least go. He didn't do very well at the Combine. So I've got concerns for all the quarterbacks. Like, I've got concerns for every player. But I'm not going to sit here and go like, yes, Andy Richardson will be a bust. And that's going to get clipped up somewhere. Don't do that. From one friend to another, don't do that. It's freaking stupid. I always I hate when people do that. Hate it, like Josh Allen. We're look. I'm someone pulled up his stats right now. His playoff stats. You can go on Twitter, search Josh Allen 2018. People call him, but you can go to the Bills draft. Okay, you know what? Let's go to the Josh Allen draft. Let's see what the if they have that post still up. Because the Bills that tweet comes around every once in a while. Oh, what is this? More accurate, Kyler for Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Justin Herbert, Will Levis, Derek Carr with upside, Anthony Richardson, Josh Allen, Henry Hooker, Sean Watson. I agree with Anthony Richardson. Not again, not saying that he'll become Josh Allen, but his skill set's similar. CJ Stroud's not as big to be Justin Herbert. He doesn't have that strong of an arm either. So I don't think that's fair on Richardson or on on Stroud. Levis is bigger than Carr. I'd say he's more athletic than Carr. I I don't weirdly, I don't think Trubisky is like from a skills like a body style. I don't think that's terribly far off, but like I think he'll be better than Trubisky. I gotta find this tweet because it's it's really funny to look back at that. Where is the okay? Uh, Bills draft tweet because I got you gotta read what is underneath this. Uh, come on, fine. Buffalo Bills Josh Allen draft tweet. Got to find it. We've drafted Josh Allen seventh overall. Found it. Okay. Retweeted this. April 26, 2018, 7.54 in the evening. We've drafted Josh Allen with seventh overall pick. Traded up for Allen, not Rosen. Rosen will be rookie of the year. Bills are a joke. What else do we got here? Show more replies. Show replies. What else do we got here? Welcome to Buffalo J.P. Lossman the second. Destiny the worst pick in the draft. 
You moved up to failure. Congrats. I won't be reviewing renewing my season tickets. Keep going. Uh, this guy, JTS, just, 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 what an idiot. Why? What the hell? I have no words. I'm beyond disappointed. Great pick. He Now he can overthrow all your great receivers. I didn't have any great receivers back then. Literally anyone but Allen. See on the job market in three years being very bad pick. Rosen miles above this guy. Allen will flame out of the NFL by year two. Bill select a widely recognized inaccurate quarterback with the second overall seventh overall pick. The Bills organization has been so stupid for so long. I'm surprised they aren't going on going to confession every day. Dear Father, I don't deserve to have I don't deserve my paycheck. They should say an embarrassment in all caps. I'm so sorry, a Browns fan. Damn these com. Oh, that's from this year. No, we got. I don't want this year's stuff. I want stuff for 2018. Fire Bean. This sets the franchise back five years. That's one of my favorite lines in the draft. Like, that's one of the, like, licking your fingers comment. This will set the franchise back. If you draft Will Levis, you'll set the franchise back five, ten years. I think it's hilarious. Typically stupid. Middle finger emoji, your process. Y'all hating too much. He's our new QB. Give the kid a chance to support him. That's what I said. That's what I said. Just gained a Bills fan. These comments show stupid people are. Many are, many are home living off government living off the government tea in a basement, watching a legal stream on YouTube. They'll eat their words and and they'll eat their steady diet of government cheese. Nice one. Idiots just lost all faith in the process. Why, though? Damn it, no. Why can we never get things right? To think, the Bills didn't even try to get Garoppolo. I begged them, but they thought they knew better. Good luck with the inaccurate Josh Allen. Your entire organization is an all-caps embarrassment. A bunch of you are going to eat crow with, oh, with that blue cheat. Fine. You're going on the good one. Another EJ, the Bills, another EJ, another EJ, another Bills type move ready for taking another QB in two years. Bust. How could you mess this up? In all caps. Uh, Keep going. Keep going. I got to find 2018 stuff. I really hope all of this is wrong. I really do. I want him to do well, but re- Bills redrafting Josh, drafting JP Lossman. I love these so much. There's so many. Those are so funny. All these tweets about that. Trash. Bust. <laughs> I hate this pick, but okay, I'm going to trust the process. Yeah, he did. Bills, yeah, Allen's not too much of a football player. We have to see. Have you seen how hard we can he can throw? Let's go get him. Like This is my problem with the draft. I love the draft, and I hate the draft at the same time. Because I'll stress about this stupid thing the entire time, and then guess what? I'll... Keep watching it, but people like this, like you're predicting people, you're preying on their downfall essentially. Because what are you really gaining from this? To say someone's a bust, what are you gaining from that? Because are you wanting the notoriety that, like, oh, you knew Anthony Richardson was going to be a bust, you knew that. And then what if he doesn't? What What did you gain from that? You just got proven you're wrong. You got, oh, you're right because you got a guy who was not going to be very good. Congratulations. Got dropped by the Texans. You're surprised he's bad. No freaking way. No, I think all the quarterbacks will be fine. I think all the quarterbacks. I think there's red flags with all of them, but I think they'll all be fine. I, none of them are perfect prospects. I don't want to sit here and act like they're perfect prospects because none of them are. None of them are. But I think they're all really good quarterbacks. And I watched every freaking game they played. You can go to thelookatblabbitshow.com and read up on our blog post. Watch every freaking lame game that these quarterbacks played. But man, 
I think that's all I've got for you today. I thought that would be kind of a fun thing to do towards the end of the show. I didn't really think I was going to go off on a tangent like that. But you know what? It's always fun when we do that. So I hope you enjoyed. If not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. And uh, yeah, make sure you follow Logan Blyman on every single form of social media. And make sure you're following and subscribe to the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. And I will see you all later. Peace.